So it was before church one Sunday, and a parishioner of mine uh, came in uh, with a big smile on his face. Now normally, you know, parishioners coming in with a big smile on their face is a good thing. This woe was uh, Jerry. Now Jerry was one of my favorite people in my congregation. Every day with Jerry is an adventurer. Uh, but he was also that friend who, if he approached you with a smile already on his face, you felt nervous, and I did feel nervous. And he said, Pastor, I have something I want to show you. And so I followed him out to the parking lot, and he got to his trunk, and he opened it up, and immediately a six-foot rattlesnake lunges directly at me and comes within a whisper of my face. He slams the trunk back down, just barely avoiding crushing the, the rattlesnake, and we're just silent for a second. And I turn to him, and he's gone pale as a sheet, and I say, Jerry, why did I just almost French kiss a rattlesnake? And he says to me, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I thought it was dead. He had hit the rattlesnake with his car. And he cracked the trunk open again a little bit so we could get a look at it. And sure enough, its head was barely attached to its body. Its guts had spilled out all over the trunk of his car. It was dead. The only thing that was keeping the snake alive is that it was too stupid to realize that it was already dead. We exist in a kind of strange state where life and death may not be quite as clear-cut as it would seem, sort of like how it was with this snake. Amongst human beings, there can be many who are dead and don't realize it yet. But maybe almost as compellingly, there can also be a lot of us who forget that we are alive. And this is the premise that Paul is writing from in our text today. At a fundamental level, the text that he's written here, the, the whole setup for this text, is absolutely absurd. Because he's trying to decide whether it's better to live or to die. And the answer to that should be obvious. Of course it's better to live. All of my stuff is here. It's better to be alive. If somebody came to me, if a student came to me and expressed the same sort of thing that Paul's expressing here, you know, sounded like they were anyway, I would call Bethany Cares. I would, I would find a way to hook them up with uh, uh, Dean Schmitz. I would try to get them help if they said, I just don't know whether it's better for me to be alive or dead. On a fundamental level, it seems obvious. And the mere asking the question seems distressing. Now, it's not the only thing that he's wondering about. Right before this text, he's wondering something else. Is it better for him to be in prison, like he is, or is it better for him to be free? In the verse we're looking at particularly here, we're weighing these strange propositions and it seems like it should be easy to know what our preference uh, would be. So how can, could he be having such a difficult time choosing between these two things when the choice 
is so obvious. Let's just take a look at our text. It's the easiest text to read. Philippians chapter 1, verses 21. And it says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, objectively, Paul is in a rough set of circumstances here. So we might be tempted uh, to initially look at this and say, oh, there, there's some despondency here. He is in prison. And he's in prison for not having committed a crime. He's in prison for having shared his faith. But beyond that, it's not just the powers of this world that are against him. It's not just like the government is arrayed, arrayed against him. He's had a lot of friends turn their back on him, either out of fear or out of jealousy. He's been rejected by the world and by the people who are in it. But weirdly, that is not why he's having a hard time deciding whether it's better to live or to die. Uh, the verses right after this, it says, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. He's not having a hard time choosing whether to live or die, whether life or death is better because life is so bad. He's having a hard time choosing because life is so awesome. That sounds really weird to us, especially when we think about you know, the difficulties that weigh on us. We look at Paul and say he's having a rough go of his life right now. He's having difficulties and struggles. And when we have them, they don't make us feel too great. We're entering that part of the semester where things start to happen. Maybe loneliness starts to really creep in right around this time. Maybe nervousness over grades or abilities starts to creep in. Seasons, sports seasons are starting to really get rolling and uh, there's questions about uh, success. We're wondering about our ability to keep up. We're wondering about the future. Our own situations are not terribly different from Paul's. So where is it coming from? that while he's in prison, abandoned by his friends, that he can possibly be so chipper. The interesting part for me here, one of them in, anyway, is that right at the start it says, for to me. What, usually when you say something like that, well to me, the prequels are the worst things that ever happened to Star Wars, right? I'm expressing, a, I'm expressing an opinion, right? It's a correct opinion, but it's still an opinion, right? And uh, when you say to me, it sounds as though like this is your perspective. That's not what Paul is establishing here. He is establishing the reality that now exists in his life, the reality of his situation. For him, to live is Christ. He's not weighing a decision between whether to be alive or to be dead. Christ chose life for Paul. His choice between life and death didn't have anything to do with whether you know, Paul's heart was pumping or his brain was firing on all cylinders. Paul is alive because Christ made him alive. Jesus was the one who took Paul's death and brought it on himself. It was the death that Paul deserved for his many and exceedingly severe sins. And Jesus took that death and burial on himself. Jesus 
God himself, the heir of heaven, lives forever. He took that entire inheritance and gave it over to Paul. When Paul says to live is Christ, he doesn't just mean that Christ is his reason for living. He means that he lives because of Christ. He's a member of God's family, and the riches of heaven are his. There's a reverse to this, of course, too. Without Christ, we're like the snake. We are already dead and just haven't realized it yet. Sometimes when we talk about this, we call this existing in the state of already and not yet. It's not accurate for us to say something like, one day I will live forever. With Christ, you live forever now. You already live forever. Death means nothing to you. You're going to pass right through it and into the mansions of heaven. Eternal life is already yours. Christ has already won for you the riches of heaven. You have it right now. So when he uses the word gain here, it's kind of an interesting turn of phrase that he uses. It's the same word that you would use for like a pirate looting something. Uh, it, it, it refers to acquiring lucre, something that some, somebody else worked for, somebody else labored for and earned or made, and you are the one getting it. You are the one taking it. That describes the situation exactly. Christ did the work, Christ made the earnings, and now Paul acquires all the benefits. Living is something that happens, no matter what, with Christ. Earthly death is only the beginning of something that's brand new and, brand, and absolutely amazing. And that is what made it difficult to know which was better. To live is Christ. He lives now. To die is gain. You finally realize in full the mansions of heaven. Live in Christ, aware of your future and aware of what you hold now and forever. Amen.